Hello and welcome to episode 3.5 of the Martlet Podcast. My name's Cormac O'Brien. In this special edition, we're going to hear more from Kirsty Chan, a fourth-year creative writing student at the University of Victoria. We're going to hear more about how Kirsty's relationship defined her writing process, and we're going to hear her full piece, Terra Australis, a creative non-fiction story about her long-distance relationship and her travels in Australia. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Um, you, like I said earlier, you're in the creative writing program. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking kind of a little bit more generally than just this relationship, but relationships in general, do you find that writing about relationships makes you kind of examine them a little bit more closely? And do you do you often find out new things about your relationships by writing about them? Yeah, I think I definitely do. I wrote about this breakup for a class last semester. Um, and it was actually a really good exercise in empathizing with his side of things because something I never want to do in my writing is come across as bitter and I, I'm not bitter and I have nothing but good feelings towards him um, but really making sure that that's coming across in your piece I really had to think about the time we spent together from his point of view and you know not everything was good but but I never wanted to be making him sound bad. Mm. It's funny getting workshopped for that piece um, and hearing my prof say, oh, I really wanted to hear more about, you know, this aspect and this aspect. And I was like, man, that's like a person. And <laughs> that was someone I was in love with. And it's a weird, weird situation to be in because when other people are reading your piece, their characters, and in that piece also, I talk a lot about my best friend and she read the piece I let her read it and she loved it she thought I made her sound cooler than she is which so um yeah it's it's a strange responsibility trying to represent people in your life have you shown him the piece no I haven't okay Tara Australis The first steps out of the Brisbane airport struck me like a dream. It could have been the jet lag or the effects of airplane food, but it could also have been the surreal sight of Kelsey sitting on the driver's side of a pollution-puffing behemoth of a van. I don't think I'm allowed to park here. Get in fast, she called to me, the engine still running. And so I did. I hadn't seen her in over a year, but we greeted each other already laughing. Without taking her eyes from the concrete confluence of highways, She presented me with a package of Tim Tams and her phone opened to a map. Here, navigate us to a grocery store, she said. Then she laughed. God, I haven't heard a Canadian accent in forever, so that's what we sound like. As we searched the labyrinth of highways for a Kmart, I realized that I had been worried she wouldn't be there to get me. In the month between buying my plane ticket and that moment of seeing her at the airport, I hadn't thought about how strange of me it was to appear in her life, a continent away from where I left it. I had booked my trip on an impulse. Two weeks, all that I was able to take off work, driving from Brisbane down to Melbourne. I hadn't meant to go to Australia on a whim. I hadn't meant to go to Australia at all. I had meant to leave behind Canada. This was heartbreak tourism, though I didn't want to acknowledge it at the time. The night I decided to go to Australia was the night my boyfriend of two years, Jim, 
told me that he was thinking about moving back to Vancouver. We were living together in a tiny old apartment in downtown Victoria. I loved everything about that apartment. Its wood floors splintering from age, the red fire escape we climbed onto to listen to cathedral bells, the plants that filled the windowsills, the smell of coffee from our ever-present French press. I knew he loved it, and me, too. I didn't really believe that he would leave behind the life we had made. Jim and I had met in my first year of university when he came to visit a friend in Victoria. He was 22, four years older than me, which seemed wise and attractive at the time. As our friends sloshed drinks and red solo cups around us, we got drunk and talked about music and beer and the politics of Central Africa. We had our first kiss in the common room of our friend's residence. We fell together easily, almost without noticing. There wasn't a grand declaration of our feelings or the nervousness of early love. It had been an instant intertwining. Jim was studying in Vancouver at the time, and we dated long distance for a year until he graduated and moved to Victoria. Long distance dating was hard, but living in Victoria was even harder for Jim. He had trouble finding a job, and he struggled with my busy schedule of work and school and freelance writing. In hindsight, I understand his bruised ego, the post-grad letdown the world must have seemed to be. I know now, too, that our Victoria life wasn't what Jim wanted. He was excited by the idea of a strong-headed girlfriend and a bohemian apartment, but he also longed for the stable, well-paid comfort that his practical degree had promised him. I ignored all these things until the night that he told me he had applied to a job selling lumber in Vancouver. We said that we would make it work, but I decided that if he really did leave, I would buy a plane ticket somewhere. When he got the job and moved away, somewhere ended up being Australia. Kelsey and I found a grocery store in the suburban areas surrounding the airport. I took a long time in the aisles, studying the different products and asking Kelsey question after question about anything I didn't recognize. We bought boxes of wine, dark chocolate, hummus, and fresh vegetables and carried them out to the van. There, in the parking lot of suburban Brisbane, I got my first real look at the vehicle that would be our home for the next two weeks. It was brightly painted with a ghoulish face and bite me scrawled on one side, and working kills your surfing skills in yellow on the back. In the back was a bed, a small counter, and a sink that didn't work. The driver's side door stuck shut unless you jiggled the handle perfectly, and the passenger's side door never closed all the way, so there was a whistle in my ear if we drove too fast. It was perfect. We decided to name the van Daphne, just another girl on our girl-powered adventure. I hadn't seen Kelsey much in the last three years, maybe a handful of times since our high school graduation. We became best friends in high school, in an accelerated science class that neither of us had much interest in. We spent weekends chasing concerts around the city, and spent our sleepovers unfurling maps and tracing routes between exotic places. After graduation, I moved from our Vancouver suburb to university a few hours away in Victoria while she stayed and attended a local school. Our conversations seemed to fade out through our first years of university. For all our shared songs and memories, the distance between our lives, both geographical and emotional, seemed to grow. As I entered my third year of university, she jetted off for a gap year in Australia, spending the first six months living in Melbourne and the last six months traveling around. I followed her adventures enviously through social media, but we talked little until the night I told her I wanted to meet her in Australia, and she wrote back, do it. I didn't tell her my reasons for going. 
my mixed feelings about Jim's move and about Jim himself, and she never asked. She didn't question my impulsiveness or even the shortness of the trip. She only told me where to meet her and promised that she would be there. I'll always remember Brisbane as a haze, the city filtered by my exhaustion and elation, my giddiness and my buried doubts. We parked the van along the Brisbane River, which flows through the center of the city, and walked to the lush, trendy South Bank. We walked along the riverbank and ate watermelon, catching up on each other's lives and admiring the looping purple-flowered vines that lined the river walk. As we wandered the open-air market, set up in the shade of overarching trees, I examined the souvenirs and let my mind wander back to Canada. When I pictured Jim, the image that always came to my head was him sitting on his parents' patio. That patio and backyard was the pride and joy of the family, and they spent weekends tending to the lawn and trimming the hedges. This was the place where Jim always seemed at his happiest, his most relaxed. It was a beautiful garden, but for the first time, the thought of hedges felt claustrophobic compared to the wild vines and eucalyptus canopy that surrounded me. I looked at postcards of koalas and sunglasses and sun-toasted surfers and thought about buying one for Jim. I tried to imagine what I would write on the back of one. Greetings from Brisbane, wish you were here. Greetings from Brisbane, I miss you. Greetings from Brisbane, I want to blame it all on the distance, but maybe our problems are bigger than that. I decided to leave souvenir shopping for another day. That night we pulled into a campground between Brisbane and Gold Coast. The campground was more of a rest stop, but I was too enamored by the towering eucalyptus trees to care. We filled plastic cups with boxed white wine and curled up in the blankets and pillows in the back of the van. The wine loosened my lips and I told Kelsey all my relationship doubts, my dual feelings of claustrophobia and abandonment. She listened to me talk for a long time as I tried to put into words the things I hadn't realized before that day. She chimed in occasionally and even made me laugh, but most importantly, she let me talk until I ran out of things to say. As darkness fell, Kelsey strung battery-powered fairy lights along the roof, and we shifted our conversation to our plans for the days ahead. We knew there would be surfing, hiking, and koalas. There would be long drives and singing loudly to songs we loved in high school. There would be picnic lunches on the roof of the van. There would be bitter dark chocolate. There'd be stargazing and lookouts and laughing. We knew that ahead of us were stretches of highway that would take us to surfers' paradise, Sydney, Canberra, and Melbourne. Beyond that, there would be a plane, another flight like the flight I had just taken. Then there would be an airport arrivals gate with Jim on the other side, and that I couldn't avoid. Thank you for listening to episode 3.5 of the Martlet Podcast. Thank you to the Martlet and to CFUV for their help in producing this podcast. And of course, thank you to Kirsty Chan. For more of Kirsty and for some other views on long-distance relationships, please check out episode 3 of the Martlet Podcast, available at our SoundCloud page or on iTunes. Thank you for listening. <laughs>